are in the wake of the inauguration of Biden and Harris. And the major headline in the apostolic church is, God is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. And in scrolling through social media, hearing other people talking, I'm thinking to myself, man, I haven't heard you say that since Obama was president. Uh, Did God step off the throne when Trump was in office? Uh, Did the Lord cease from having the government upon his shoulders when uh, Trump was in the Oval Office? I don't think so. I guess sometimes it takes a very liberal president for us to realize and to be reminded that God sits on the throne no matter who is elected, no matter who is duly elected, no matter who is deceitfully elected, doesn't matter. We can't be forgetting this. God is on the throne no matter what. The Lord Jesus Christ has been given all power, all authority, and he alone sits on the throne. One sits on the throne, one Lord, one Savior, one God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he cannot be overthrown. Jesus cannot be voted out. Even when Antichrist, the man of sin, appears, God is still on the throne. And if Satan himself can ascend up into the heavens, up above the stars, up above the throne of God, and be cast down like Ezekiel prophesied, neither can the son of perdition, the beast. The end is not now. The end is near. Yes, Satan is preparing this world for the beasts. And the kings of this earth are drinking the wine and getting very drunk with the great whore, Mystery Babylon. Having a president like Donald J. Trump is a rare, rare, very rare, rarer than eating a delicious medium rare steak, a delicious Kansas City strip. It is more rare than that to have a president like that. It is a luxury. It is a delicacy. It's time for us to snap back and realize what is normal in this world, that Satan is the prince and the power of the air, and he's doing everything he can to gather together the nations unto them unto himself and erase their border, erase their identity, erase their culture, and bring it all under one because Satan doesn't want nations. God created nations. God established borders, according to the book of Acts. But one day, the Lord will rule the earth and the fullness thereof completely and totally for him. It's going to happen for a thousand years. And Satan wants to take control of that and have that for himself even before all of that. That's why he is after Israel, because God has promises to Israel. That is why he is after his church, because God has made promises to his church. And Satan wants to make God look like the liar. He wants to make God look like the one who can't keep his promises. But when the appointed time comes, the Lord will pull back the curtain. And like Isaiah said, they will see Satan. They will see the man of sin. They will see all the kings who were deceived by them. And they're going to look and say, was really this it? This was it? I went to hell for this? I didn't follow the truth for this? I got to spend an eternity for this? That's exactly what it's going to be for this. So your answer is not gay rights. 
Your answer is not exalting transgender people. Your answer is not having free drugs. My free drugs. Biden, Harris, they're going to give me my drugs. It is in none of those things. It is time to open up your eyes and realize that politics is never about what you want. It is only about what is possible. But with God, what is impossible can be possible. We need God in this time. That's what we need to do. Look through history. Anytime there was pandemics, troubles, the people that ran to their politicians and ran to their governments for help and security and and, and treated them as if they were some savior, those nations don't exist anymore. But the nations who call out to God survive. The countries who call out to Jesus Christ, those are the ones that make it during dark times. So it's time to open up your eyes. It's time for you to wake up and realize that God has never left his throne. He has never left his place of authority, but he is still there, and he is not enthroned in judgment. But the Bible says that the Lord is enthroned in his mercy. You think about that, his throne. It is supposed to be a place of judgment. It is supposed to be a place of telling people that you are judged for all eternity. That day is coming, but right now that throne, it is enthroned in mercy. There is mercy there for you. And if you need the mercies of the Lord, mercy is not getting what you deserve. You and I deserve to be on that cross, but the Lord hung and died on that cross for us. You and I should have been buried in that tomb, but the Lord was buried there for us. You and I should have went to hell for three days and three nights, but the Lord went there for us. It is only by the mercies of God that the United States of America even exists because of our sin, because of our perversion, because of our abortions, because of our immorality, because of our godless thinking. This country should have dropped off into the ocean a long time ago. We should have been blown to bits a long time ago, but because we have a destiny upon our land, we have a destiny upon our people, and there is a church crying out to God, give us a space, give us a time, give us a purpose, don't let it be the end just now, Lord, but perhaps give us a little bit of a space for us to bring again another revival of spirituality, another revival of sacrifice, another revival, amen, that believes in the sanctity of human life and another revival that will preach and to teach save yourself from this untoward generation it is time to run to a merciful Jesus it is time for us to run to a merciful God it is time for us to seek favor in his eyes it's time to wake up it's time to get out of your sleep We were comfortable for too long, and it took a pandemic to wake us up. It took a stolen election to wake us up. And who knows what else is coming to wake us up, to pray, to read the word, to fast, to study, to pay tithes, to get loyal, to get back to where we need to be in God. I'm Justin Gleason. I didn't come to podcast today, but I came to preach and to teach that Jesus is Lord forevermore.
vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. That's Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. That's how the prophet opens up his writing, his book, Isaiah, his prophecies. The prophet who saw the Lord Jesus Christ and his future glory and the uh, coming church, the coming new covenant, probably more than any other prophet Isaiah saw it. What an unusual way to open up a book. Yeah, he did it to track time, to get to give the reader an idea of when he prophesied. You notice there he doesn't mention the Lord. He doesn't mention God at first. That comes later. You know what he's doing there? He is giving honor to the kings. He is giving honor to the Lord's anointed. He is giving honor to the earthly authorities that he was under. Uzziah. Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Those were the kings, the sons of David, the fruit of David's loins. But the Lord said, You would always, your seed would always sit on the throne. That's how Isaiah viewed it. You look at the lives of these kings. Isaiah is not saying, I endorsed these men, I politicked for these men. Ooh, these men were great. No? He just says their names. You look at all four of these kings, none of them were extraordinary for God. None of them were absolutely astoundingly spectacular for God. Matter of fact, really, none of them achieved really anything (laughs) that well for God. You look at Uzziah, I, I guess he was good. Jotham, he's called good. Ahaz, evil, wicked extremely wicked. And and then Hezekiah brought a, a certain season of revival. But none of these kings were that extraordinary for God. Did that stop Isaiah from seeing the Lord high and lifted up? Did that stop Isaiah from prophesying, behold, a virgin shall conceive? Did that stop him from saying, a son is given to us? His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace? No. Some of his greatest prophecies were done when Israel was totally backslidden. When the king refused to tear down the high places. When the king allowed the homosexuals to have their shrines and their ritual prostitution throughout the land. While Isaiah is trying to get a word from God around the temple, here come the pagans to do backroom deals with the Israelites in exchange for setting up their idols the intermarriage, bringing in all types of cultures and ideas into the land. Yep, it led to Israel's downfall and backsliding. You study your Old Testament. You study your Bible. Israel's downfall came when they allowed anybody and everybody to come into their land and set up their cultures, introduce a new language, Introduce new clothing, introduce new food, introduce new gods, introduce different ideas of what a family should look like and change the way that they lived. And it brought it down. 
That's what happens to nations. That's how the Babylonians destroyed Israel. They took Babylonians and moved them into Israel. And it led to so many Israelites being moved out. That's what you do. Multiculturalism in that fashion brings chaos and destruction. And that is the system of the beast. That's what he's going to do in these last days. Look at Bible prophecy. The, the big image that Nebuchadnezzar saw. You have an image, a head of gold, arms and chest of silver, bronze and all that. At the bottom, the last kingdom, it's iron and clay mingling. They shall mingle with each other. I interpret that as the east and the west begin to mingle. Forever, the east and the west hated each other. Yeah, the wars, the crusaders, all that. Well, now we're trying to have love and acceptance and tolerance. It's just preparing the way for the beast, the chaos that he needs, the manufactured crisis. He needs to take control. That's what happens. There's a reason God created nations. Uh, there's a reason he split it all up. Oh, yeah. I know that's not politically correct, but there's a reason the word political is in the phrase politically correct. Check out your Bible. Check out your patterns. Read it. I know what I'm talking about. I know you want to argue with me, but you can't because you're here to listen and I'm here to talk. There were so many political differences amongst the disciples, the 12 disciples of Jesus. 11 of them were Galilean. Only one of them was Judean. And that was Judas. Galileans were different than Judeans in their ideas and in their lifestyle. And you go to Israel to this day, the people in the north are very different than the people in the south, just like here in America. There's different political ideas based upon geography. But just two examples here. Matthew was a Roman tax collector. And the Lord called out to him. He was collecting taxes for Rome, not for Israel. Here are hardworking Hebrew men and women trying to make it. And Caesar imposed high taxes upon them. And he used their own people, the Israelites, the Jews, to raise those taxes. You had to be in favor of Caesar to do this. You had to be in favor of the Roman way. You had to be in favor of Roman lifestyle and culture to do this, to collect those taxes. Matthew was a Romakin. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. A Caesarekin. He believed in Caesar and Rome. Otherwise, why would he collect taxes for them? And Jesus called that, called him into, into his group. Okay, then you have somebody who's way on the other side of where the pendulum swings, and that was Simon. He's called the Zealot. Zealots was a political movement. It was a Jewish liberation movement. A group of freedom fighters that believed in violence if necessary. They didn't really wage war, open war. They were more like assassins. Uh, Barabbas, who led an insurrection, he was a zealot. He was not like a master jewel thief. He was not like your typical criminal. He was not the Al Capone of that day. No, he was a freedom fighter for the state of Israel. He wanted to purge, purge out Greco-Roman culture. Matter of fact, there's differences of opinion on this, but one opinion, according to Christian history, is Barabbas, the reason 
One of the reasons that he uh, was thrown in prison because of murder is he murdered a Sadducee who he saw coming out of a Roman bathhouse. He knew what the law said about uh, that type of lifestyle. Roman bathhouses were for gay men. Saw a Sadducee coming out of there. He said, you hypocrite. Drew his dagger and slit his throat. That's why he was in prison. (laughs) So Simon is a zealot. He probably killed people. He probably killed Greeks, probably killed Romans. And Jesus said, hey, you come follow me. So you have right there in his group, his close group, who he travels with, who he dines with, who he camps out with, who he ministers to, who he lays hands on and sends him out to preach and to teach. Did Jesus really address those political views among his disciples? Not much. He had his way of bringing all of them together and unified under himself. But he did teach them things like, don't provoke your enemies. If they strike you on the cheek, go and offer the other. They're, they're just trying to get a rise out of you. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. If you do, you're going to end up dead or in prison. If they say, walk a mile with me, go ahead and go too. They say, give me your tunic, give them your cloak. All of those things. You know what Jesus was saying there? You need to find favor in the eyes of those who are in control right now. You need to do everything you can to serve them. You need to win their heart. You need to make friendships with them. You need to build a loyalty, a civil peace between them. No, don't practice their sins. No, don't worship their false gods, but be peaceable with them. He taught them to render to Caesar. He taught them to pay to taxes. He didn't say collect taxes per se, but he did say render to Caesar. If it's his, it's got his image on the coin. Go ahead and give it to him. But ultimately, he taught them, I am your king, and my kingdom is not of this world. It's heavenly. And it's not all around you. It's only inside you at the moment. But the day will come when it will be all around you. Did the church begin with a president like Donald J. Trump? No. Quite the opposite. It began with the cruel Herodian family. When Jesus was born, there was mass infanticide throughout the land. That's the type of political climate that Christianity began. You then look at the persecutions that came from the Sanhedrin. Group of men that were supposed to be men of peace, men of the law, men of, men of loyalty to the law of Moses, and yet you see them stoning and killing everybody they can who believed in the power of the name of Jesus and demonstrated the miracles, signs, and wonders that accompanied the faith, persecuted them. You look at the Roman Caesars, the Roman governors, horrible people, sinful people, wicked people. And yet, did the church cry out against them? No. You don't ever see them trying to raise up an insurrection to get them against them but instead they tried to find favor in their eyes and in the midst of corruption in the midst of political turmoil the church grew (laughs) very rare did the church in the early days in the book of acts have a political figure that was favorable towards them sure you had pontius pilate who who saw that 
Jesus was not a problem. I actually think he liked Jesus. His wife certainly liked Jesus. She had a dream about him and said, don't do anything to him. But, you know, Pilate saw Jesus and heard his teaching, render to Caesar, you know, get along, work hard, believe in God, you know, things like that. He was not your typical Galilean who's trying to crush Rome. It's probably why Pilate offered the Lord some type of political asylum. You then look at some of the other political figures in the Bible, even some of the those who were in military power. They were favorable to Christianity. Christianity needs to do what it can to find favor in the eyes of elected officials. But some of you out there think the church is not going to thrive for the next four years. It's like the end is over. We can't have revival. Because of Biden, we will have no baptisms. Because of Harris, we will have no Holy Ghost and feelings. You need to take a look back at biblical history. And you also need to take a look at oneness Pentecostal history in this modern era. I'm not a Pentecostal historian. But I am well read in this type of subject and something that I've observed in reading old sermons from preachers way back when trying to get my hands on copies of old audio messages as far back as they go. You know, the church thrived in the 30s and 40s under Democratic presidents, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Harry S. Truman, Pentecost boomed during those times under tents and brush arbors wherever they could go uh, old warehouses thrived under those type of presidencies fdr is a major socialist the new deal all of that you notice that major socialist movements communist movements they always have the word new in it the new world order that is intentional. It's language that Satan is trying to steal for himself because Jesus will make all things new. But Satan wants to have his own new. Watch out for that word new. New, new, new. When you see the word new, it's beast. It sure is. But yeah, the church grew under FDR. I mean, and there was rumors that his wife was a lesbian. I, I can't, <laughs> I don't know, but there's just rumors about that. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But the rumors were there. So you've got potentially uh, LGBTQ activity there uh, around the presidency in his own family. Did the church struggle? No, it prospered. I mean, in the 90s, under WJC, William Jefferson Clinton, did the church struggle in the 90s? Actually, no, at least our local church didn't. Man, we grew, we popped. We did under Clinton. Yeah. During the uh, 2000s, 2010s, B.O. Barack Obama. Did your church struggle? Ours didn't. Man, we grew. <laughs> we actually had revival. Maybe we should start electing more Democratic presidents just so we can have revival. I'm kidding. But your church made it through all of it. Your church survived through all of it. And we're going to do it again. Biden and Harris are not going to stop revival. And I don't know if they're necessarily against the church. You know, Biden is a proud Catholic. 
Harris, as we found out during the presidential debate against Pence, she said, I am a woman of faith. You know, she had to convince him, you know, you need to believe that. I know I know it may not look like it, but you need to believe that. <laughs> okay, she's she, uh, she's a Baptist. Sometimes I don't know which uh, Baptist group, but she claims to be a Baptist. But we need to find favor in their eyes as the church. In other words, we need to stay out of their way. Sure, pray what you want to pray. Vote how you want to vote. But you need to stay out of their way. And in doing so, they'll probably stay out of your way. Work hard and ask God to give us favor in the eyes of our local, state, and federal authorities. I think that is the Christian way. When they slap you on the cheek, cheek turn the other. When they want your cloak, give them your tunic also. They say, walk here. Say, I'll walk, walk even further with you. Pay taxes to them. Have peace with them. That's how you're going to avoid persecution. Be a good citizen. Add value. Contribute. Don't resist. Don't revolt. You know, these are early Christian teachings at the height of imperial Rome. The Apostle Paul taught these things. Timothy taught these things. John taught these things. They all taught it. They said, do what you can to avoid war. They taught if you can have peace with people, if it's possible, do it. Follow it. I am going to miss Donald J. Trump. You know, the Lord talked to me about him. In 2011, during the birther issue, B.O.'s birther issue, who was it that forced Barack Obama to produce a birth certificate? Was it anybody in the GOP? No, it wasn't. Think about that. The powerful GOP, Republican Party, none of them could do it. But Donald Trump stands up and says, I want to see a certificate, and I'll give to a charity when he does it. And all of a sudden, a certificate appeared. I remember when that happened, I looked at Trump, didn't know much about him. I thought, how is it that this billionaire with weird hair could get Barack Obama to do that? I couldn't believe it. Out of, out of all the GOP, Trump could do it. And I knew it. I saw it. He is a leader. He's going to be president someday. I felt it and I saw it. It was a few years later on July 4th that uh, the Lord began to really deal with me about Donald J. Trump. And I saw it. I knew it. I knew he was going to be president. And I was heavily criticized for that. Heavily criticized for that. Mocked even because of it. And for a while there, I went silent. You know, if, if, some, if God gives you a word for the future, you really only got to say it once. Once is enough. And then just watch it unfold. And I thought he would be reelected. Last year on July 4th, the Lord told me a light remains in Washington. Anytime the Lord speaks to me about Donald J. Trump, he always refers to him as the light of the republic. That's what he calls him to me. That's what he's known in the spirit world. You know, and I put this out on Facebook uh, in July last year, 2020, and I've, I'm on record for quoting it here on Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason, this podcast. I'm not going to give it all to you, but I know this. God did not say to me, the light remains. He said, a light remains in Washington. I don't think this is over. There is still some light left in Washington. It's there, and when it's time, God will make it shine again. But what is troubling to me is why was Donald Trump so hated? Why was he so hated? 
Well, I think a lot of it has to do that he's a white heterosexual Christian male. You know, the left has developed a stigma in a, in a negative status on those four things. I mean, I feel it personally upon me because that's what I am. They hated him because he was for nationalism, not globalism. God believes in nations. God sets up nations. God wants nations. But what does Satan want? One world. No more nations. Erase it all. One world government. One world to prepare it for the beast. I'm not for socialism. I'm definitely not for communism. But far more wicked than those two things are globalism. Oh yeah, they'll say we need it to redistribute the wealth to the third world countries. It'll always be about the poor, the poor, the poor. In all reality, it'll be a charity scam. It will. It will be great deception. That's what the beast will do. It'll be all about the poor and the, the answers to poverty. Can I tell you this? Nobody is ever going to erase poverty. Jesus said it, the poor you have with you always. It's the human condition. That's why you don't ever see big contributions from the church to end world hunger in that day. Instead, there was just small stuff, just alms. Pass by somebody in the temple, give them a few alms. Sometimes they wouldn't give them anything at all. They'd just pray for them and keep on going. You can't absolve world hunger. It can't be done. It will always be there. It's the human condition. Only when the Lord returns will all those things change. Praise God. But he was hated because of nationalism. He sure was. And, and I think a lot of it just had to do with envy, especially from men who just hated him for no reason. It's like they look at him. He has a beautiful wife, beautiful ex-wives, very impressive kids. And I don't even know what these men were married to. But you look at him. Trump was tall. They were short. Trump was handsome. They were hideous. Trump was rich. They had to lobby to get money. Trump was naturally famous. And none of them really were. They all lurked in the shadows. A lot of it was just simply envy. A lot of it's just political chaos. But ultimately, the reason I think he was so hated is because he was doing everything he could that God set him up to do to stop, stop Antichrist from arising before its time. Yeah. Because I don't think America, or I don't think the beast can really arise with America in existence. America, this nation, is the wild card that Satan did not see coming. How we grew and flourished so quick, quickly. How we survived a revolutionary war. How we survived a civil war. How we've kept on moving and kept on going. Well, it's God. Because he has a purpose for our land and a purpose for our people. And I'm praying, believing and trusting that God is going to continue to do this with America. He's going to continue to do this. You know, we know in Bible prophecy, there are nations who resist. There are nations who are left after the tribulation. And maybe the good old U.S. of A. might be one of those. I don't know. I don't know. I watched the inauguration. I can't help it. You know, you just got to see history unfold. And I knew it'd be weird. You know, ever, ever since Election Day... I have felt like this gloomy feeling over me, you know, I've just felt so unsafe. I felt almost like paranoia, like I've been looking over my shoulder. 
you know, I, I, I like put my hands in my pocket. I'm like, Oh, do I got my phone keys wallet? Is it there? Is it stolen? Like I, like I've just been paranoid that things are being stolen from me. And that's because the spirit of theft is in this world. Now I watched it election night. You know, you you see the red wave coming, the red mirage coming. And then all of a sudden these key States, they the about 11 PM, 11 30 PM. The, the votes just stop. They pause for like a few hours. Then all of a sudden, boom, 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 they go up. It was election fraud. I could feel it. I could see it even before the news started coming out on it. And you'll see it for the next four years. More cyber warfare. More crime. Because that's the spirit. The spirit of this new administration. It is the principle that Jesus taught. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what they are trying to do to Donald Trump and this movement. America first. That's what they want to do. And whether they realize it or not, they're playing right into the plan of the beast to bring about globalism. So they want to do big time. So I watched this inauguration, uh, some good things about it. Lady Gaga, her and I are worlds apart politically. Her and I are worlds apart spiritually. I don't know what it is, though. She can crank on that anthem. Remember the Super Bowl a few years ago? She gets out there, walks up there. She looks so unusual. She likes to dress weird. You know, but a part of that is thematics. It's art. I, I, I get that. You know, actors and singers do that. It's, it's, it's artistic. You have to distinguish yourself. And I get that. And that's, that's just the, the artist inside of her, whatever. And I know she's weird. And I know she's very anti a lot of what we believe in. Let me tell you, the Super Bowl a few years ago, she sang the anthem, and it was like one of the most beautiful national anthems we had in years. She gets with it. She knows the meaning of the anthem, and she believes in it, believes in America. And she got up there, that inauguration, with that gold microphone and that big old dress. And how about that? She wore a dress. Yeah. Did you see Michelle O walk out there with a dress? No, she walks out there with a major pantsuit and hugs everybody she can. No social distancing there. Hmm? What about J-Lo? Oh, no. Big old pantsuit. Yeah, by the way, J-Lo bombed. I don't know much about singing, but it was like nothing special about that song at all. It didn't even feel like it was about America or the country. It was about other things. But Gaga got up there and gave it all for that anthem and that flag in this country, and I did like it. That was about it, and she wore a dress. She had no problem walking out there and trying to look like a lady. She is Lady Gaga, and if a woman wants to look like a lady, you wear a dress. You wear a dress. And of course, you had a Bill Clinton there sleeping around. I mean, I mean sleeping, sleeping up there, <laughs> sleeping up there during all of this. Bernie Sanders didn't look like he was feeling too good, and man, the memes are coming on that. Goodness gracious! I was hoping the prayers would be good. The prayers were a disaster. That uh, priest, that father, that Catholic, and that one dude with glasses, the prayers were so lame. You want to know why? They didn't pray in the name of Jesus. You want to have power in your prayer? Ask it in the name of Jesus. Because praying to the big guy upstairs won't work. Calling upon God won't work. As we found out, as we talked about last week with Barama Cleaver, you never know somebody who's got that name Reverend. First of all, I can't stand that title Reverend. If you're getting started in ministry, don't ever call yourself Reverend. I know some of you out there, you've been calling yourself Reverend for years. 
You got it engraved on your Bible. You got it on the sign in front of your office door, Reverend. Okay, Rev, whatever, Rev dot. That's fine. I guess if you're over 60 years old, you've been calling yourself Rev all these years. Keep on doing it. But this generation, you want to be taken seriously as a preacher. Don't call yourself Reverend. You're going to be written off. Uh, Reverend is code for a poser. A wannabe preacher. Somebody who's never led or built or done really anything for God in their lives. I don't. And really, it's not biblical. There's only one who is reverent. That's God. That's what's written in the Psalms. So don't call yourself that. Don't call yourself by that title. Use simple terms like brother or pastor or evangelist. Maybe if you want to minister. But sometimes the title really isn't what you need. It's your content, what you're talking about. Work on the sound of your voice. Like that that priest that got up there. I, I couldn't stand that. Almighty God. I'm like, dude, uh, did you finish chewing your fried chicken? I, I don't. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I, I, I can't stand it. it. Pelosi does that, too. It's the clacking of the teeth and the and the lips. I, I, th- I think that's when somebody's on drugs. They get that dry mouth going. It's it's just the drugs. Wouldn't surprise me at all. A lot of people up there look like they were enjoying some drugs. And the guy with the glasses, just just a lame prayer. You have Emmanuel Cleaver up there. Call it, you, you think he's praying to God, then all of a sudden at the very end, we call upon God, Barama. You know, the Hindu God of creation. That's who they could be talking about. Uh, you know, God bless you, God this, God that. You really don't offend a whole lot of people unless somebody's fiercely atheist. You might offend them. You know, but when you say things like Merry Christmas, oh, that offends people. Why? Because it's about Christ. It's about Messiah. We start talking about the Son of God. Oh, you'll offend them, especially the Muslims. They believe that God has no son. But us, the Christians, the apostolics, the oneness Pentecostals, we know God has a son. We know. We've seen him. We've seen his glory. We have felt his power. His signs are among us. We know the power of the name of Jesus, but that name is an offense. But yeah, you can talk about God on Inauguration Day and everybody kind of claps, whatever. Really wasn't anything about God there. Even Garth Brooks, Lord, (laughs) trying to sing Amazing Grace. Well, it wasn't amazing that day. Uh -uh, There wasn't a touch of grace. There wasn't a touch of anointing. And I think he knew it. That's why he, I think, unscriptedly planned. Let's all sing it at home or at work. At home or at work. I did like the at work. <laughs> you should. It probably would have been more appropriate for all the those of you who are wanting to collect a government check. Sing it with me. Yeah, and then he hugged everybody walking on the out. I thought these libs were supposed to be like for social distancing and masks and sanitizer. And we have a pandemic. You know, but there was, I mean, everybody was hugging each other, you know, because you got to put all that aside, you know, because of who we're putting in place. Well, anyway, things have been quiet. Things are unusually quiet. They're not getting louder. Even after the inauguration, things are unusually quiet. It's weird. It's eerie feeling. I almost feel like I'm walking through a graveyard. It's, it's like God is not pleased. The spirit world is unusually quiet. And the human world is unusually quiet. I'll tell you this. Washington, D.C. has become a cup of trembling. 
It's very strange. It has become a cauldron of hot blood. It really has. But it shouldn't surprise us. Read your Bible. Is the fate of the world good? No, it's not. It's going to be judged. It's going to rip itself apart. We're going to have war with each other. We're going to have natural disasters. I'm going to miss Trump saying that. A disaster. You're a disaster. Obamacare, it's been a disaster. <laughs> I like the disaster. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it, you notice this. It's not a Biden administration. It's Biden and Harris. They're very keen on that. It's got to be. And sometimes they're saying Harris and Biden. Ooh. It makes me wonder, is Biden going to get up there and try to be a brighter light than Barack Obama? Is he going to try to get up there and have a greater legacy than him? Is he going to get up there and try to, in the in the twilight of his life, as a 78-year-old man, try to let his light shine brighter than Harris? I, I don't know. I'm very speculative about it. You know, I, I during the campaign, I looked up Kamala Harris, just uh, put her there in the search engine. You know what came up? I, I remember reading it, success for the price of sex. And I... I was like, ooh, should I click on this? I don't want to click on this, but I couldn't help it. And and I checked it out. I've got guards on my computer. I knew it wouldn't be pornographic, thank God. But I opened it up there, and it was like all this factual stuff from a very credible news source on all these lewd acts that Kamala did to get into power, like legit facts. And I'm like, I, you know, I, no telling who else has done that out there. It's not just her. That's That's just the spirit of the age. But that's just what's there, you know, and when you have somebody like that in power, it just kind of has a trickle-down effect. That spirit is just in the world. And it's not about the quality of character or somebody's integrity anymore that's getting people in places. It's about their race and about the risque things that they're willing to do and the pleasurable favors to advance in life. Uh, Don't seek for those things. Spirit signal. Seek the favor of the Lord. Seek God's manner of promotion. Seek God's manner of prosperity. And that is simply finding favor in the eyes of your employer by serving well. You don't have to do all those crazy things to advance. You don't. That's the way you advance through the devil. Advance through God. Advance through God. Then you have Biden. How did he get there? How did he get there? Well, there's a machine. There is a machine that put him there. Yep. Say hello to your new president. The new commander and thief, Joe Biden. I received a message from uh, our email, spiritsignaljg at gmail.com, from a loyal listener, Kaylee Medlock. And she wrote me a story that, that I told in a recent podcast episode, how I was, uh, my alternator died in my car and I was stranded on the road and just feared for my life and just prayed 
until I was uh, taken to safety and my car was repaired. All, all of that. She has a much more uh, extreme uh, story that happened in her life, a much more intense experience. And it was an actual uh, car wreck that should have been fatal. Her and her husband should have lost their lives. Their children should have been gone. But the Lord miraculously protected them. Wow. Yep. God will keep his hand on you. He sure will. And then she also says, your podcast inspires my husband. He wants to start a podcast. Do you have any tips for him? First of all, I'm so glad that the Medlock family is alive and well. Praise the Lord. I love hearing stories like that. Thank you so much for contacting me, Sister Kaylee, and I'm glad this podcast is a blessing to you. Uh, my advice for starting a podcast, I've only been in this for almost a year. You need to be working on content, insight, and fire. Content, insight, and fire. Your podcast, don't worry about how it looks. It's not important. You need to be worried about, yeah, I guess you could worry about the sound. You want to, you want to generate a good sound. Uh, talk with the sound men in your church. Have them develop a good EQ for your voice. That's what I did. I talked to sound men in our church, and they gave me a good EQ uh, ratio for your voice. Everybody's voice is different. Everybody needs a good EQ. All of that. Maybe uh, bum a microphone <laughs> from the choir loft and plug that in and record yourself. Do that or, or just iPhone or whatever. But content is important. People fade in podcasting when they run out of content. You got to have content. Content is your bread and butter. You got to have something to say. And people will listen to you. You can't just ramble. Well, sometimes rambling is good, but you've got to have a message. And not only a message, but insight. You need to be saying it in a way that nobody else is saying it. You need to distinguish yourself. And then fire. You got to have fire. You just got to have that burning uh that just that fire that just consumes you that just gets into your blood to talk and it's very difficult especially if you're doing monologues like i do to talk in an empty room uh you just gotta imagine your audience is with you you know so yeah so yeah prayer you gotta you need to be in the will of god you gotta you gotta do all that but really content insight and fire develop those things and you're on your way to becoming a master at podcasting so thank you so much for that. always appreciate it when listeners contact me. And uh, it's a, a compliment to me that, that uh, Spirit Signal is uh, a part of your uh, family. We love you. We're praying for you. Thanks for sharing that story. All right. That's all for today. Be encouraged. Have revival. And you better believe it. Donald Trump is not done. Donald Trump is not done.